you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League Podcast won't pick you up from the airport. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. Not quite full. No Chris Wessling, but welcome, boys. We've also got K-Rich behind the glass in a slightly different room. She is. How you doing, guys? Hey, K-Rich. Doing well. Friday. Seduction <laughs> Friday. Did you guys forget about that? Uh, no, Hell never man. forget about it. Um, and you're the only one that's allowed to say that on this podcast because it's weird when we do. <laughs> but And speaking of Seduction Friday, we're going to have Wes on the phone later. Uh, in the back end of the show, we're going to talk about um, what's going on in his life right now. We're going to talk about uh, Win Wes's toaster, a big development on that front that uh, I have to confront. <laughs> Some uh, would say controversial. Controversial. Sham. If you're listening, pay attention. Uh, but first, we'll, why don't we start with some football and uh, Thursday night football, actually. A game in which uh, there are about 14 people in the stands at Raymond James Stadium. The Panthers have little problem with the sad Bucks, 31-13. Win for the Panthers, moving them over 500 for the first time since 2008. What do you think about this game, fellas? Best three-game stretch of Cam Newton's career, right? Has oh, yeah. to, yeah. On top of that, I mean, they've had runs at the in the second half of the season where they played very well. But even in those games, I don't think Cam was quite as good as his numbers showed. And now he's making smart decisions. He's completing tough throws. He's running. They had a good stat today. Uh, our research department. He's the first player in NFL history to have 50 passing touchdowns and 25 rushing touchdowns in any three season span, and he did it in two and a half. I, I give credit to Coach Ron <laughs> Rivera because this is a guy that a month ago looked saddled to uh, a, a coaching staff that was about as uncreative on offense as you could get. And he, as you know, we wrote about, he had this epiphany where, or maybe right. he got basically told, you're going to change or you're going to be gone. <laughs> Who is, knows what happened? This but. is where uh, Wes would have chimed in at this moment and said, Riverboat Ron! <laughs> and it's true. And another example of Rivera seeing the light in terms of uh, coaching aggressively, 
Third quarter, I believe, 14-6, fourth and one. Uh, the Panthers were in field goal range. But as Riverboat Ron said, uh, field goals don't win games. Touchdowns do. They went for it. I think Mike Tolbert got the first down. They go on to score a touchdown. The game is effectively over at that point. Well, and, they're, and they were four for five in the red zone with touchdowns. Four touchdowns out of five trips to the red zone last night. That's what they weren't doing early on this season. They asked him today in the press conference, Ron Rivera, on Friday about his new nickname, Riverboat Ron. I guess this has gotten some <laughs> traction. And he said, well, I don't really like that. I think of it more as calculated risk taker, which was not really a Riverboat Ron answer. Not as catchy. Ron Own Rivera, it, by the way, looks more like a seventh grade earth science teacher every week. I keep commenting on this, just watching him. Doesn't he look like a guy I that could, taught you in middle school? I could see him with a Bunsen burner. <laughs> this Panthers team, we talk about identity maybe too much. That team has to have an identity. But I think this team knows what it is. It's a power football team that has these long, slow drives. They're tied for the league lead in 10-play touchdown drives. They kind of smash you with the running game. They throw it deep, and they have one of the best defenses in the league. They know who they are. You know, I got killed last night on Twitter for, at the end of the game, saying, bottom line, I look at the Panthers as a playoff team right now. And, yeah, everyone responds, but they haven't beaten anyone. But you know what they've done, which is hard to do in the NFL, is they've played lesser teams, but they have dropped hammers on these teams. Yeah. I, you know, actually, Greg and I discussed that last night in the newsroom. I think, I think the last three games are against teams that have a four and seventeen combined record. But the Panthers dropped ninety six thirty eight uh, difference in scoring total, which tells you they're beating up on bad teams, which is what good teams do. And exactly. What, and what I wrote about yesterday was now they've proved that they could beat bad teams. Now we got to see them beat some teams where people don't p- predict them to win. We're still waiting for that signature Panthers moment. And one more thing, but to go back to Cam Newton, uh, this was the Panthers during the streak, 30-plus points in all three games and no turnovers. That's the first time they've done that in Panthers history, and that goes back to Newton as well. I think we learn a lot about them next week. To me, is maybe the key swing game of their season. They're at home versus Atlanta, and that's a game right now that they should be expected to win and that they should win. And if they win it, they get to 5-3. and three. After that, they have San Francisco and New England back-to-back, so that's going to be tough, and you hope to split that. So this Falcons win, if it's really a new playoff team, like Mark says, that's the win they get taken care of, and then they play the tougher opponents. And one thing, Dan probably... NFL players watching Dan's feed during games don't there want are many. him uh, to be tweeting about them because you went out there and chimed in about Ted Ginn, <laughs> who literally eight seconds later drops a, what would have been a touchdown catch. He also fumbled the ball. It got overturned. But no, Ginn, listen, Ginn, here's another stat. You want to talk stats. Ginn had five catches. The first time he's had five catches since December 2009. He's an actual player in that offense, and he, he actually he seems very good with those slant passes. Uh, obviously not too good on deep passes. Uh, Mike Freeman of, I think, CBS Sports, or is it Bleacher Report? Wherever he is, he is a now, Bleacher Report. Um, he tweeted that uh, Ted Ginn couldn't catch MRSA, <laughs> uh, which is funny and kind of mean. Ginn's been a big difference maker this year, and they're running the ball, and they're going to get Jonathan Stewart back. Uh, I think we should touch a little bit on the Bucks quickly. I know we want to move on to the other games. Just that now they're not even being competitive. By the way, Greg, games. you sound great. Yeah, I'm sick right now. You know, <laughs> great. plain in pain. My awesome voice normally is. You just sound ruined. like an, you sound like you're the seventh grader in Ron Rivera's classroom right now. <laughs> That's like the the dads that get sick when the babies are at home. This doesn't happen to me because I tend to a garden. Well, you don't spend time with children. No, I don't. Wisely. Anyway, sorry, Greg. Well, Shiano. 
going to have a lot of time to spend time with his children <laughs> if he has some. Says. I mean, this is it's getting worse, right? I mean, their defense was supposed to be the trademark of this team. He's a defensive coach. They've got a ton of defensive talent, and they've now given up exactly 31 points in three straight weeks. So they've, the, it's kind of caving in on them. It's looking a lot like when Raheem Morris was ending his run with the Bucks, and the wheels just came off. I. They go to Seattle next week. Have fun with that. Yeah, that won't be that won't be good. And I don't know. I like the, our NFL Network analysts. Of course, I do. Uh, but there does seem to be. And tell me if I'm wrong. Mike Silver wrote a great piece um, yesterday, a takedown of what's going on in Tampa Bay with players turning on Shiano seemingly. But it seems like now it's almost become open season and too easy to pile on Shiano. It, it, the pile on feeling during the post-game show was prevalent. And I'm just I'm wondering if this is just something that's going to continue to snowball till he's just the biggest laughing stock in the league, unless Gianna already is. I don't think he'll survive another month if, if they're not winning games. Um, I agree. All right, so speaking of Thursday Night Football, we, we have in my upcoming uh, end-around column that will be up on Friday, uh, the special guest rant this week is from <laughs> Greg Rosenthal. And the, the topic, Greg. Greg, what was the topic of your rant? Uh, it was on the pregame singer, Priyanka, for Thursday Night Football. Hit it, K-Rich. Oh, wow. I love her. See, ways to life. She's just saying. In the, See, uh, now every uh, Thursday night... Yeah, we're at work. I'm there. And I'm getting excited for the game, and then Priyanka comes up on the screen, and I get even more excited. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Wait, here comes the chorus. Pump it. And I'm having a good time. Wesseling's there. And the city. Well, you have Priyanka walking like through some type of um, futuristic landscape. I don't know where she is. And it looks like the different like planet. the soundstage where like Darth Maul fought Obi Wan Kenobi so, or something. So who wouldn't like that? And I'm excited. But then next to me are our social media guys, Dwayne and Bryce. They run our Twitter accounts the for the city. NFL, and they always tell me, "Uh oh, here come all the anti Priyanka tweets." Everyone's tweeting at the NFL. Who is this? Who is this <laughs> woman, Priyanka? I'll tell you who she is. Wow. She's got 4.8 million. Twitter followers. Somebody That's almost more than the NFL. And everyone always forgets that fact. Exactly. She's, she's a, an Indian film actress and singer who also won the Miss World Pageant. We, a, a Bollywood star. We're international. Yeah. And, and you can have you know your other pregame singers. I'm not going to mention any names. I will. Carrie Underwood, who's been essentially just bought and sold by a gigantic corporate entity to wow. <laughs> treat the population like a pack of drones. I am going to approach <laughs> NBC uh, Dick Embersall. Embersall? Is that what it is? Yeah, you and him. Close. I'm going to approach Dick about redoing Carrie's intro for Sunday Night Football. I, it's a little stiff. i got to be honest with you. Uh, you know, they don't have in a great outfit. The song's a little weak. Uh, Priyanka, is that Priyanka. How you Priyanka. Priyanka. I don't know if I like this song either. What, it's not even about football. Hold on. <laughs> I talked with Dan about this the other day. Because, by the way, before Greg unleashes his two bits on her in some post today, we went into depth on Priyanka earlier in the week. 
And I got a quote from Dan where he said it ha- her song, in quotes, has nothing to do with football mm-hmm. and is better suited for a tourism board. I know you want to come to the city. So you're coming around a little bit, though. I like... I like, that's it. The I like power it better of this than uh, CeeLo last year. I'll put it that way. Well, that's fair. Well, D- Dan likes, you know, vanilla ice cream, <laughs> and he likes house salad and cheese pizza. And mm, Mark and I pizza. and Crystal, we like a little flavor. We like some excitement. I mean, when Priyanka comes on there, it's a little different. You're a fan, Crystal. I agree. I, can tell. I agree. I like pizza as well. And that is not to take away from <laughs> Carrie pizza. Underwood because I, I no. love her intro, Listen, too. Listen, I so. don't like Carrie Underwood telling me that – I have spent all of Sunday just sitting around my house twiddling my thumbs waiting for this game that starts at like 8.30 Eastern. Yeah, but that was I've written by some like, fat old white guy. And she just said, oh, I'll do whatever you need. I'm sure I'll sing 30 it. 30 years ago. You don't think Priyanka said, let me have a little input in here. Let's write about some lyrics that Look, speak to something more it's important. It's not about the songwriting, frankly. And by the Anyways. way, the song does have something to do with football. You're talking about in my city. They're always going to someone else's city to play a game. It's pretty open-ended. Let's admit. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, well, the songwriting. Let's not go songwriting one for this one. This isn't Bob Dylan. Blood on the right. tracks. I mean, right? it's getting close. The NBC has it. Does have <laughs> one of the best lyrics of all time? One of the best little lines. Al and Chris are the best on TV. I mean, the, we you gotta have Greg sing you, every podcast. You can't pay. You can't pay for that kind of. Lyricism. All right. No. I think they did. I think we're all kind of on the same page with that. But I just thought, yeah, I thought it was important that we addressed it. And uh, if you want to read more about it, check out the end around today. Uh, but all right. I don't even know how you get out of that and transition to I'm, games. I'm why, wondering why? when did you get oh. on our team? You, you've you been debating and, and well, arguing about this. This is why this Sessler's came up. shaking his head, too, because he's, he wrote about Priyanka first. And he's upset that I'm you have citing. More to say? I'm citing Greg as if you want to read more about it. Read Mark Sessler's. Game Rewind column. Read both. Are you happy now? Read both. No, I've been talking one. about Priyanka since last year when they didn't even have her right before the game. They just had her early in the pregame show, and she was actually walking around your right, city. This it's is a little, little different. Now. Yeah, right. now it's, now it's com- Mark, are, stretching into complete unbelievability. Mark? My ego. Yes. Are you happy that I plugged your... I'm feeling good. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Big games this week. Week 8 which is crazy that we're already at week eight. But we are. Uh, there are three of us, so we will, we will uh, detail our three favorite games of the week. Then we'll roll through the rest of the schedule. Um, Mark, let's start with you. The Washington Redskins and Denver Broncos. Broncos coming off their first loss of the season. And the Redskins coming off a big win uh, over the Bears. So there's a little life there. What are you seeing here? You know, when it comes to Denver, I like I look at the opponents. What is it they can do that might put some sort of a hole into Denver's like defense strategy? Because they've been obviously unstoppable in terms of stopping Peyton Manning in the offense. Jordan Reed last week for Washington. Him and RG3 had something going on. And honestly, RG3, yes, he's been playing a little bit of a better game each week. He finally has someone that I think that really can cause havoc. Reed looked almost unstoppable, and Chicago's defense, not one of the best right now, had no answer for him, and that's what they're going to need. That connection's important for this game, for Washington to even sort of stay afloat. I'm not, I'm not, it's hard to look at any, any Denver game and say, unless you can go out and score 40 points, you don't have a shot. But why can't they score 40 points? I, I think they can, but it's, you know, they did it last week. They, they actually, last week on offense, were a little bit more dynamic than we've seen this season. Well, what they were was 2012. They did the read option the whole time, 
and Robert Griffin III, his burst is back. If you watch the first play of that game where he took the ball and started running, I mean, he's making people miss again, and he is running by people, and he looks like he's confident in that knee. Their offense looked just like it was last year. Well, there were still some of those passes from him, though, that were real sketchy. Uh, He's not all the way back as a complete quarterback. I'm not buying Denver's defense as being any good. No, I yeah, I think that the Redskins are going to score points, probably more than 30. Um, my only, if I'm a Redskins fan, I'm a little bummed out that the way the schedule broke here too, because you know that that was a an emotional win beating the Bears the way they did, and instead of having a chance to really start rolling, now you have a really tough challenge going into Denver to face a Broncos team that it's angry after getting beat. You know, I have to take the Broncos in this game, but I do think it will be not to the levels of the Cowboy-Bronco game, but I think we might have another shootout here. But every game's been tough for Washington. To beat Denver, you need to have two guys on the edge that can beat Denver's tackles quickly, get to Manning. Washington has that. They don't have anything else on defense. They certainly don't have anyone in the secondary that can lock up Denver one-on-one like the Colts did, but maybe the Colts gave people an idea what to do. Let's just hold these receivers and grab them, and if you want to call 10 penalties on us, maybe that's better than any other option. One last note, Von Miller, another week of practice. I didn't think he looked especially... You know, He didn't have his game back last week against the Colts. I want to see what he can do, because Washington's offensive line is a work in progress. And I want to see how that ball comes out of Peyton Manning's hand, because it seemed a little odd last week. Uh, He says he's healthy. He missed a practice with an ankle issue, but he'll be playing, and we'll see what happens. Let's move forward. Um, The Miami Dolphins, once 3-0, now 3-3, are now trying to stay to get back over 500, and they have to beat the New England Patriots, who, uh, as Greg knows, was taken down by the New York Jets in overtime on Sunday. (laughs) So we have a nice AFC East battle. Greg, what are you seeing here? Well, one of these teams is really going to be hurting after this game. Either the Dolphins will have lost four straight games, or the Patriots will have lost three of four games. Now, how many times has that happened in the Belichick-Brady era? I can't. I don't know if it's, it's happened since 2001 or maybe 2002. That's about it. And it's a game I'm not feeling that confident in as a Patriots fan because the Dolphins are going to be in every game. I think the Patriots are still kind of figuring out what it is that they do well. I've watched Miami. I don't think they've played that poorly the last few weeks. But this is one of those games to me that shapes the season. It's like every game is not equal in the season. If the Patriots win this game, maybe the Jets end up losing this week on the road in Cincinnati. It's like they're in control of the AFC East. Everyone's catching up. It would be a surprise if the Patriots don't win. If the Patriots lose, I think it's just everybody's ball game. That's what kind of year it's going to be. It's going to be a three, maybe four-team race, and everyone's got a chance. Well, and if the, if the Patriots lose and the Jets take care of business you got a tie at the top of the AFC East. You do? And it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. I think Miami's issues are correctable. Uh, their offensive line and Tannehill holding on to the ball too long was is problematic. Uh, the Patriots haven't had the greatest pass rush in the world. I think this will be a close game. And, and just for – if Wes was here, this would be the part where I make fun of Lamar Miller. But. <laughs> you know, I don't think their problems are correctable in the sense that all they could do right now to shore up their offensive line situation, because Tyson Claybo not a starter anymore at this point, is bring in Brian McKinney, who a year ago when they inserted Brian McKinney into the left tackle spot, that helped Baltimore go on a run to the Super Bowl. This is not the same guy. Dan pointed out right away, very poignant, this guy <laughs> is dangerous in South Beach. I don't like that combination. But, 
you know what? You're right. The Patriots can't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback compared to some other teams. I don't like Miami's long-term situation here because the, Tannehill is getting killed week after week. A lot of it's on him, though. Greg Cosell said that, you know, that he holds on to the ball too long. He's not been great coming off his first read. And for all the fantasy fans out there, there's no player that gets made fun of more than uh, Daniel Thomas of the Miami Dolphins. No one understands why they play him. Watch last week's game. He played pretty well. They ran the ball very well. He That was the best I've ever seen him look, and I wouldn't be surprised if they have some effectiveness running. Okay, those are two teams coming off losses. Here are two teams coming off wins. The Jets going to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. This is another game that I think could be very close, and I think uh, for me it goes back to you know, if you believe in Andy Dalton and he's on a nice run these last few weeks, but something tells me, and this is not because I'm a Jets fan, it's just because what I've seen from Dalton in a big picture and what I've seen from this Jets defense, I got a feeling Dalton's going to have a lot of str- uh, problems on Sunday. Well, however, for the Jets, and I and I think this is a, this is a tough game for Cincinnati to walk in and take control of, but New York also has done this thing where they go out and impress you, play a game like that Falcons game where it's like, this team is legit. They go out the next week and get dropped by the Steelers. They right. Come back last week, beat the Patriots. So... Can they win, win two in a row? They haven't done that in a long, long time. They haven't done it this season. Win one, lose one every week. Yeah, and you know, and it goes back to Geno Smith at Geno Coaster. There is a, very, <laughs> there is a possibility that the Jets win 17-14, and it's a close game. It also can turn into 31-10 if Geno throws a pick six, throws a couple more picks, loses a fumble. You just never know what you're going to get week to week. But you know, as a Jet fan, what you hang on to is each time he has these big boy wins, and the Patriots one certainly qualifies as well, that maybe we get further from the bad Geno. And, but you don't know until, until we see it. But that's exactly what Cosell said, is that some of the mistakes are because of a good trait in Geno, that the guy aggressively throws the ball downfield. He's not afraid to take shots, which you know quarterbacks that are, and I think that Dalton maybe falls more in that category, a guy like Geno is going to reduce the mistakes, but he's not gonna, he, he, he didn't shy away from being a risky player. And I think the Jets are a completely different offense because he's a quarterback and Mark Sanchez isn't. In all the games where Geno's played so well, he's had a ton of time, and that's going to be hard to find against Cincinnati. But the thing to hold on to for Jets fans is, tell me the win where the Bengals you know, ran away and hide, hid this year. It hasn't happened. Every one of their five wins is by one score. All of them came down to the last possession. They're a 5-2 and two team. They are not dominant. They play every game tight, and in a tight game, some crazy things can happen. I think it really is a Dalton thing for perception because if you had a different type of quarterback in there, we would think about Cincinnati in a different way. They've had some impressive victories. But, but, but crazy. You know, against the Packers, so many crazy things happened in that game every you know against Detroit last week it's a great last minute comeback but they're all by three points and they they count as wins but it's not like they're going out there and they're drilling this is quietly the game of the week because whoever wins this is in a great situation I agree I'm a little nervous about it gotta say fellas a little nervous all right so this is a weird week by the way uh because for the first time all season uh we have no hero picks but we also spent five minutes talking about Priyanka Chopra, so that that made it weird. Yeah, well, that made it especially weird. But so there are no hero picks. Actually, there was one, right? Kevin Patra, our Chicago correspondent. Uh, but other than that, 
Um, you know, we all kind of had similar picks throughout the week. And in general, no one's going to go crazy be- about week. And we eight give this Kevin year. an eerie amount of low attention on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ke- Kevin took the Jets. We're split on a few games, like you guys, for instance. We took the Jets, Mark. And you I, guys yeah. both took the Jets. Yeah. I was, I wasn't too surprised because, like we said, I it's see a lot close, to like, but I took the Bengals. Uh, but so let's go through the rest of these games. Um, not a ton of winners, but we're just going to keep rolling. That's what we do here, uh, and we will start with Greg. Uh, sell it to me, Greg. San Francisco, Jacksonville Jaguars. Why are we watching? Colin Kaepernick is about as fun a quarterback to watch as possible when he's rolling, and they're starting to use him on the ground a little more. He's making some nice throws down the field to Bolden and Davis. I think that was the most impressive part of his game against Tennessee was he finally started hitting those vertical chunk plays, as Greg Cosell would call them, like he did when he first started, like in the Chicago game last night, when he last year when he broke out, and so that's what I'm looking for to keep that passing game going. Frank Gore, the inconvenient truth, just does <laughs> it again. Can completely overachieves every single season. He leads the league in runs 20 yards or more. So if you want to talk about big playmakers at running back, by definition, Frank Gore is the guy does, this year. Does he overachieve or is he underappreciated? I a always bit of both. Well, he's 30 now, and you kind of expected him to start giving up carries, and it never happened. You know, one thing with San Francisco, yeah, they went back to some runs out of the pistol last week, which we haven't seen a lot of. Their progress on offense over the last four weeks has been impressive. And in a, in a couple weeks from now, they get Manningham back and Crabtree. And then you got that Seattle game coming up a couple weeks after that. I like the, the way that they're sort of peaking in the, at the right time. Yeah, and on the Jaguars side, I'll say, yes, Blaine Gabbard has taken over, or excuse me, Chad Henney has taken over for Blaine Gabbard. Is there a difference? <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to put too much stock into it. They're going to draft a quarterback in May either way, but uh, good luck with all that, Chad. Can we also get a, a ruling? Is it Corey lemon or Corey Lemon-Yay? Because I feel like we're going to have to be saying this guy's <laughs> name the rest of the season because he's one of the best young pass rushers in football. He shows up every week. Let's no have Chris still look at him. Yeah, no ruling at this time. Okay, Richie, <laughs> can you get on that? I sure will. I, yeah. I, I know this is crazy, but they haven't missed Alden Smith that much. Maybe it's because of the opponents, but it's also because of, of Corey. We'll just call him by his first name. All right, so <laughs> here's, this, is, um, this, is another, this is a good game. Uh, Dallas Cowboys and Detroit Lions, um, two teams that personally I'm having a little bit of an issue trying to like peg. As, whether they're good or mediocre or what, but uh, th- we'll get a good we'll get a good idea of uh, both teams here. Reggie Bush today, by the way, Friday held out of practice with some type of leg issue, the upper that, right leg. Yep, that is something to keep an eye on. Um, but listen, the Cowboys, if they can get this win, they are rolling, and if the Lions get the win. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't even know how to break this one down. <laughs> let's be honest. I've got them pegged. I think they're both. Slightly above average teams that can beat anyone on a given week and have two of the best 10 quarterbacks in the league. There, they're done for the rest of the season. You know, this is a game that at the beginning of the year I would have thought would be a real troubling one for the Cowboys because of Detroit's pass rush against what I thought would be a Cowboys line that just wasn't up to par. But they've actually, Dallas's line I think has has played well. Very well. And and that's going to be an interesting matchup to me to see how can they keep Tony Romo safe. Romo in recent seasons, has done really well against the Lions' defense. Why did you guys take uh, the Cowboys? We've been riding the Lions' (laughs) 
bandwagon all year, and then one rocky game last week, and you guys gave no, up. No, I actually have gotten a lot of games wrong picking against Detroit, mm. so I haven't been on that train. And okay. I think that Dallas is is this team that, honestly, I look at around the NFC, outside of Seattle and San Francisco, they could beat anyone. Yeah, and yet they could lose to anyone too. And I, I just it's a it's a coin flip. I have some. Uh, personal demons with the Cowboys because over <laughs> the last couple of years I've gotten behind them and stuck with them and thinking they would turn things around and they would always let me down. This year I kind of went the opposite direction. I picked them not to make the playoffs and I picked against them a lot this year and it hasn't worked out for me. So I'm going to maybe gently get aboard the Cowboys bandwagon and see, well, see where it takes It's not going to work out for you again, I feel like. This is... It's an even matchup, but I feel like Detroit's been a better team overall. I think they can hurt you in in more ways. I don't think the Dallas defense, just because they played well in Philadelphia, is something that I'm not afraid of. If Bush doesn't play, though, because in week three when they played the Redskins, they were a completely different offense in a bad way when Bush wasn't on the field. I like Bell to some degree as a a stand-in, but that would be a big loss. And and, and Bush was not looking healthy then of last week. And you mentioned lack of respect for Kevin Patrick. How about lack of respect for this game? This might be the best game of the week right here. And it didn't get in the top section. A little surprising. Let's admit it. (laughs) Um, All right, let's move on. Mark, you know, not a ton to say about this game, but since it is your Cleveland Browns, they're going to Kansas City, try to knock off the undefeated Chiefs. Jason Campbell behind center now as the merry-go-round goes round and round in Cleveland. Your thoughts? You know, I look at this game, and, and it, 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 two of the better young defenses, Kansas City made up the NFL's best defense. And, and Cleveland, not unlike Tampa, the wheels could come off if they don't get their act together here because they're not scoring points on the other side. I don't like Jason Campbell going into Arrowhead Stadium, which is probably one of the toughest places to play in football right now. And the Chiefs, you know, they're a tough watch, but they take care of business. I don't like Jason Campbell going into any stadium. I don't like I don't, yeah, Jason Campbell, period. Well, right. no, I'm, I'm not, like I'm not suggesting. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that any of the other 31 stadiums would be a better place for him to play. But this really is a rough first go. It might be easier than being at home, though, frankly. Really? Actually, the, oh man, it it it's funny because he's kind of similar to Brandon Whedon, isn't he? Sure. Well, he's, listen, they, he's got an arm, and he takes forever to make a decision and throw the ball. Didn't they do everything humanly possible to not play Jason Campbell this season? Yeah, they did. I mean, they originally brought him in to compete for the starting job, and it became quickly clear they didn't want him to play at all, and then they brought in Hoyer, and they basically got buried. Do you see this as a game that could be weird and be sort of a 14-13 or 17-type 13 game? I think the Browns have the defense to keep Alex Smith in check, for sure. So, yeah, and it, and Jason Campbell, he's not a, he doesn't get you excited, but he's also a guy that's known to be very conservative, so you probably won't throw the game away. So, you could be, if you're looking for a win, if you're looking for hope as a Browns fan, I'm thinking 13-10 win is your only shot. I here. think you need a Travis Benjamin 91-yard kick yes. return for a touchdown. You I need like something that. strange like that. How about an Ataya Rubin 7-yard fumble return? <laughs> I like that. Big man with football <laughs> we'll for, see. for a touchdown. Last week, Case Keenum went in there, and the Texans were in that game to the last second. The Chiefs, as good as they've been, generally don't put a team away until the fourth quarter. It's usually close. And if the... Last word on this, if you guys would. Um, if the Browns don't pull upset off, they're staring down a five-game losing streak because after this game, they home to Ravens and at Bengals. And, you know, it's it, real tough. It could be a tough situation. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, 
New Orleans Saints. Uh, Spiller, it looks like they're finally going to sit C.J. Spiller, whose ankle is still not right. Uh, we're not sure on that, but that's there's been speculation that Marone is going to try to get Spiller healthy. You know, the Saints are the favorite in this game. Do Is there any way the Bills pull an upset off, Greg? It's going to be very tough, but they're a defense that can give the Saints offense problems. And I don't think the Saints offense has been quite as explosive as they have been in previous years. And I think this Bills defense comes to play each week. And so they've got a chance to slow them down. I think they're going to have to run the ball well against New Orleans, and I think they'll be able to. You know, C.J. Spiller's doubtful officially for the game, so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even make the trip. I think Fred Jackson has shown he can take over. Year after year, is there a more underrated player than Fred Jackson in the NFL? Well, and I kind of like this backfield when it isn't two or three guys splitting carries. It might be... I'm not sure it changes that much because Spiller's had his issues this season. I'm interested to see Thad Lewis because you know what? For a guy that was on the practice squad a month ago, he's actually played very well. I don't even think I'm done giving Fred Jackson some love. I'm oh, serious. you keep going. When there was a fantasy, <laughs> when I was you know at Roto World and we did fantasy, it's very hard for a player to be undervalued year after year because usually people just kind of wise up to it. And every year you thought, well, this is the year Fred Jackson's not going to do it, something. They always have these high-priced you know, running backs with him, Willis McGahee, now C.J. Spiller, whoever, that you, Marshawn Lynch was there, who you expect to be better than Fred Jackson. And in the end, he never is. And then he's coming off a devastating injury. He's out of co-college. Line up the careers. Fred Jackson versus Reggie Bush. Similar players. Who has had the better career? If he wasn't stuck in Buffalo, this guy would be a star. Let I me, love me some Fred Jackson. So let's say there, you're, there's a car. <laughs> there he is. He's there's out a, of the chair. There's a station wagon in Buffalo. And you have the option to drive from Buffalo to Los Angeles with Fred Jackson or Priyanka. What well, road trip do you pick? I think we know. Well, he okay. just got out, he didn't get out of the chair for Priyanka. I don't know. You, I oh, mean, no, you, I'm, take, showing... I'm taking Priyanka for the car trip. I'm taking Fred Jackson to win a Super Bowl. There's different questions. And by the way, uh, the one thing I, I have to say about this, um, and I say this a lot because I don't consider myself one, beware of experts because uh, back in August, anybody you read that's was viewed as a respectable football guy was saying Fred Jackson was shot and he wasn't moving and he was going to be phased out of that offense and he lives. He's 20, like Jason Voorhees. 25 catches already <laughs> this year for Fred Jackson, four and a half yards. Per, I just, he's a fun player. All right, let's move on. Mark, NFC East showdown. I know you love the NFC East, Mark. The Giants finally got a win. They are going into Philadelphia now to play the Eagles and Michael Vick should be back in the lineup. Uh, what are you seeing here? You know, I think this is this is a bad turn of events for the Giants because last, Vic's last game was against New York. He went out just before halftime and had 79 yards rushing on the ground. They did all they could to shut down LaShawn McCoy and did actually a, a good job of that because they ignored any sort of option play. They just went right at McCoy. But Vic went wild before getting hurt. And, you know, I think that this offense is a little bit more dynamic in terms of what it can do with Vic, obviously. Foles two weeks ago looked really good. Last week, it was a disaster. I'm kind of glad we're not staring at some quarterback controversy there. Ride it out with Vic for now. The guy probably won't be back next season. In terms of this game, how do you pick the Giants? They, they beat a very bad Vikings team in what it might have been the most boring game we've seen in ages. Wait, weren't you riding the Nick Foles bandwagon seven days ago? I think that was me. Was it you? Was I know. It right? I, the Foles looked very good against the Bucks, right? But it, but what we saw against the Cowboys, I think it squelched any sort of yeah. hey, who should start here? He was he, pretty awful. He was not ready. Giants defense showed some signs 
They're stopping the run lately. They can stop the run. And Jason Pierre-Paul is coming off his best game of the season by far. But there's not much reason to believe that this isn't one of the worst teams in football. And that wasn't that Monday night win over the Vikings wasn't a cure-all, and it wasn't a game where it's like, ah, that's the giant team that we thought was going to show up. They, they didn't play a great game. It's just the Vikings were completely flat. That actually felt like you were watching a preseason game. It was a very oh, yeah. odd Monday night when game. I feel like this is a comment from six and a half years ago, but without Brandon Jacobs, I, I don't like New York's ability to run the ball either. <laughs> wow. yeah, well, he Peyton. actually played really well two weeks ago. Peyton Hillis rumble it into the end zone at the Meadowlands? It's How sad that, that Peyton sad. Hillis was probably New York's best player on offense last week. And he still had less than three yards Did per anybody, carry. Anybody pick the Giants? Kevin uh, Patrick Kevin had Patrick. his hero pick with the Giants. I, I picked the Eagles to win this division before the season started, and I feel like they are hanging by a thread. They're getting propped up by beating some bad teams, and they're really they're struggling to find themselves and not playing well. This is a game they have to get to get to 4-4. Four and four. Yes. All right, moving forward, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are halfway out of the 0-4 hole they dug. They have back-to-back wins, including a big one over the Ravens on Sunday. They now travel to the Black Hole to face the Raiders. You know, this is, this is another interesting game. Uh, I, I really the Steelers. I think they're gonna get back into this race. I think when they play the Ravens again in a few weeks, it's gonna mean something. Uh, but they basically they're gonna kind of need this win. Uh, the Raiders have been tougher than people imagine, especially at home. Uh, what are you guys seeing on this? Listen, we've got Wes Chris Wessling on schedule to eat his softball pants. Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? If yes. the Raiders win six games. Yes. They, this is a winnable game for them. They would be 3-4 and four after seven outings. That has to put Wesley on some hot turf. He already said he was nervous after the Chargers win for the Raiders, so this would put him in very dangerous ground. I do think the Steelers will win this game, though. They have three winnable games coming up. Oakland does. None of us is buying their resurgence defensively. None of us picked them. We see Pittsburgh getting back into the mix. It's amazing that they've only had one game this year. They forced the turnover. If they weren't negative 10, they're negative 10 in turnover margin. If they weren't negative 10, they'd be a pretty good team. Ben Roethlisberger was on the Rich Eisen podcast this week. Uh, we encourage you to tune in and check that out. But he, he said that uh, the inability to force turnovers and the propensity to have turnovers, turnovers on offense was like they were shooting themselves in both feet, which I thought was kind of a uh, smart way to put it. Uh, yeah, so that's really, when you put those two things together, it, make, it makes sense why they were 0-4. But I, I agree. I think that they're going to win this game. But it, it will be close. It should be close, right? And Pittsburgh finally can run the ball with Le'Veon Bell. You know, he, that's big. he looked really good, actually, last week. And a funny thing from Big Ben, he, he goes on radio. He's got a weekly radio show. And says that because they've been running some wildcat, uh, and they sh- they aren't being critiqued like the Jets, so that's not fair. Right. But they're having Big Ben shoot out to play wide receiver on these plays, and he's already complained saying that he's too tired to do that. <laughs> too tired to split out and play wide receiver twice a game. That, now come well, on, I'm, that doesn't surprise me. One thing we we mentioned that last Big Ben's Sunday, so lovable. <laughs> we mentioned last Sunday watching it. I remember when Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he was never a speed demon, but when he would get in the open field, he, he would run pretty well. He has lost a lot of speed. A lot of RPMs off that. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. The Atlanta Falcons are uh, heading to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Uh, you know, the Falcons have reached a point similar to the Steelers where they're kind of in must-win territory in October, which is never a great place to be. The Cardinals, 
you know, I'm starting to think that we could be staring at another 6-10 and 10 team over in the, in the desert there. Mark, what are you seeing here? I don't like any game where the Cardinals have to face any sort of a pass rush, but this might be a team like in Atlanta that really can't do that. And so maybe Carson Palmer isn't just a sitting duck back there. But I watched the Falcons last week. It's the game that we covered on Sunday. And everyone says Matt Ryan, not everyone, but the, the critique on Matt Ryan is, listen, if he didn't have so much talent around him, he'd be a very average quarterback. I'd say nonsense to that because you know what? You don't have Steven Jackson. Poppycock, you, you say. Don't, I say poppycock to that, yes. Dan. You don't have Roddy White. You don't have Julio Jones. And he turned star. He made you know Harry Douglas into a star last week, and I thought that they did a real nice job moving the ball, converting, Great, converting third downs. The table. I, like, I think we're on the same point here. Sessler, <laughs> point of the day. It's over. Sessler won it. Great job by Sessler. This pump, very nice visual for the podcast. Is there a harder game to predict, though? I did think about this more than any other game this week. I ended up going with the Falcons just because every week I watch Matt Ryan and think he's playing great, and it's hard to pick against him going against Carson But you're right. This is a matchup of weakness on weakness. The Falcons' defense is one of the worst five groups in the league, I would say, Uh, and going up against Carson Palmer, I don't expect this to be a blowout. They do get Steven Jackson back. No Roddy White, no uh, Julio Jones, of course, but they do get Steven Jackson back. I wish Larry Fitzgerald was healthy this year. I, I was really excited that we were going to be the revitalized season, but now he's got this hamstring. He's not playing at full speed, and that, that obviously makes a big difference. One guy that, you know, we all talked him up. I think he was a making the leap candidate. Michael Floyd's been a little quiet this year. They could use uh, you think? They could use a little more from him. Started off well. It's hard to know. It's hard to evaluate those wide receivers when Carson Palmer's throwing the ball and they have no time to throw. Right. All right, let's move forward. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, who are in first place in the NFC North. Congratulations, boys. Uh, they will face the woeful Minnesota Vikings, um, who are now start back to Christian Ponder after Josh Freeman suffered that mysterious concussion. I don't. This doesn't seem like it's going to be a close game. Is it correct? Well, it's weird that Freeman practiced. Not sorry to dodge your question, but uh, okay. I don't think I don't I think found that strange. I don't think it will be a close game. To answer your question, I think the Packers' defense is peaking. I think Christian Ponder gives the Vikings a much better chance than Josh Freeman would at this stage, so that's a positive for them. And the Packers... That's also a dramatic negative. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a good sign. And the Packers have had trouble winning in Minnesota in recent years, a lot of trouble winning in Minnesota. So, you know, who knows? They haven't been able to stop Adrian Peterson, but the Freeman situation is more interesting to me. It's weird that he returned to practice, but he won't be active for the game. We have Ross Tucker writing a column that players in that Vikings locker room will probably, fair or not, wonder what happened with this Freeman concussion, whether you know he made the choice to do it, whether he uh, basically asked that. Are we in this situation again? We're speculating what's going on with Josh Freeman behind the scenes. Uh, you're not, Dan, you're not I'm just, enticed I'm just, by that storyline? I'm line? just bored of it, but it, uh, it's worthy of discussion. I'm not sure where this goes, though. I don't know if we're going to see Freeman be the starter this year for Minnesota or not. I don't really know. I mean, it could, it might end up just being Ponder again for a while. Well, and it's almost like you could see Freeman at some point just getting released. I mean, it's like the, the thing could spiral into a dark place. You know, we just talked about Matt Ryan, who is able to take anyone, it looks like, last week and, and turn them into productive players. That's what I see from no one better than Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, against Cleveland, a pretty good defense last week with a ton of guys out, he just carved them up. He, he had his way with them, and it's, it's, uh, there's no quarterback that does it anywhere to the same level. 
it's it, it's too early to flex games out on Sunday night apparently because uh, yeah it is Al and Chris are, are stuck with this game there there's some much better ones but it is what it is I think I think the Packers have to be thrilled that they could get to five and two after you know considering the injuries they've had they're who knows if they'll get Jermichael Finley back but they will get Randall Cobb eventually. They're rowdy into form. So is Carrie Underwood going to try to tell us that we're excited about this game? It's going to be a tough sell for Carrie. Um, she's constantly off. You know, she's just. Uh, I don't, I'm not just buying it. Get you off know, the case. That's... All right. By the way, I'm just. I'm just curious, real quick, because we're running a little low on time. Vikings final record this season. I'm just curious what you guys think. Three and thirteen. Uh, three and thirteen sounds about right. I will go four and twelve. Them. Another quarterback. Okay, and that moves us to the last game. Of the week, Seattle Seahawks, uh, who you know may or may not have Percy Harvin, uh, travel to St. Louis to face Kellen Clemens and the Rams. Man, uh, speaking of uh, primetime announcers, you have John Gruden and Mike Tirico. That they can't be thrilled about this one. No, because it's it's also opposite the World Series in St. Louis that night. Right, <laughs> which right. is pretty brutal. Greg, you took that the loss by the Sox last night pretty well. I thought. That's uh, only game two here. You know, Kellen Clemens, I'm excited about him. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, when you look at Seattle, I think that watching Russell Wilson, because we got a Seattle-Arizona game two Thursdays ago, which that wasn't necessarily the sexiest matchup of the year. But they're fun to watch. And Russell Wilson, like, they're starting to do more and more with him on offense. It looks a little bit like last year to me, where they're getting their kind of act together in terms of scheme. We're not too far away from Percy Harvin coming back. This team is tough to beat. And, I like that. And they just learn how valuable Sam Bradford is because as much as they dogged him, now it's like the season is over because Kellen Clemens is your quarterback. But you do, you did find a little something in Zach Stacy, and I love watching this guy. He actually reminds me a little bit of a young Frank Gore because he's a three-down back. He's powerful, but he's really good on passing downs, very comfortable catching the ball. He he looks like a starting running back. If you didn't know he was a late round pick, he he reminds me a lot of a little. But he reminds Frank me Gore. of Frank Gore when the Niners didn't know how to run an offense, and he was the one thing sitting there. And right. until that team learns how to get someone in there that can make the most of not only the quarterback but the other positions, the Rams are going to be this three and four, three and five team year after year. And if you want to, if you want to see a Zach Stacy showcase Monday night, probably won't be it at least as a. Rusher because, you know, the Rams will be twenty down 21-3 at the end of the first quarter. Just, Fair wa- point. just watch them. Tell me you disagree. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for the games. K. Rich, what's going on behind the glass? Everything's good. Looking forward to my Giants-Philly matchup. All right. Good luck with that. Hey, um, Chris Wessling, is it possible to get him on the horn? Because he's got to take care of some housekeeping here. Hey, Wes. Hey, K. Rich, how are you? I'm good. What's going on? Yo, on Wes. What's I- going on, buddy? Welcome to uh, welcome to your podcast. <laughs> my podcast, thank yes. you. What's going on over there? Uh, just about ready to get on the road and go to Santa Barbara. With who? With uh, my friend Aaron. Oh, okay. That sounds good. That sounds like a nice weekend you got planned. You know, it is it's Seduction well, Friday. It is well, Seduction Friday, and I oh. feel like the five of you. <laughs> Yeah. I include K. Rich and, of course, Lyle, the intern, have taken me under your wing and shown me the ways. I was stuck in Seduction Saturday, and that wasn't working for me. Now I'm a new man. <laughs> well, when you head up to Santa Barbara on Seduction Friday, there really are no limits. We should mention that Aaron is a woman. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not important, though. We're it's not... not. Be progressive, Mark. It I met her last night. She's lovely. Well, y- look, 
Chris has to relieve some stress because it's been a controversial week. Listen, you know, good transition, Greg. Listen, Wes, we got to talk about this. Win Wes's toaster. Um, you know, I declared Sham from Sacramento the winner uh, based on that last question on Wednesday in which uh, uh, you said Reggie Wayne had the second longest active streak uh, games played. I said you were wrong. But you were right. It was Reggie Wayne, and uh, first I just want to offer a humble apology to you. No apology necessary. All right. Good. I think it's totally necessary. He, <laughs> totally, he botched it. Greg yep. is irate, and we'll get to why. Yeah. And uh, number two, uh, this is something we need to address. So the, the decision has been made. The committee, the Win West's Toaster Committee has met. They've come to a conclusion that you will remain the champion, and this is, again, apologies to Sham and Sacramento. Sham will get his toaster, but Wes will Wes, – Sham will get a toaster of his choice, but Wes will keep his toaster. And this is the <laughs> – well, I'm not sure Sham's clapping. But... And, but this is this is the one caveat, and I will run it by Wes. It will be up to his people to decide when it comes time to defend your toaster again – Sham gets the first crack. Thoughts? Oh, that's that sounds good to me. And for the record, I don't have people. <laughs> he is. Uh, Wes is a, a lone wolf. Nobody is more upset about this development, and I, which I think you know, as a podcast we've handled well, than Greg, <laughs> who has nothing but utter disdain for the franchise of Win Wes's toaster. Right. But you know what? It's back. It's bigger than it was well, before, and it it's just, not going away. It all just seems a little suspicious. Remember, have you, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Quiz Show. You know, a lot of rigging yeah. in the game shows back in the 50s and 60s. Finally, it was like Wes had lost, and now we come back, and there's a Well, mistake. the world is it's, not pure, Greg. I'm well, sorry to report. You know, the headline here would be Area Man Fallible, and that's me. I messed up. <laughs> Everyone, you know, I owned up to my mistake. The game, a lot of, the, there's a lot of buzz about the game. Nationally, Greg, you got to admit. Well, unlike Damashek, <laughs> who believes that you have to gerrymander things around to uh, get manufactured drama and controversy, oh, we're going back down our, this road. Our oh, quiz boy. show actually has a natural controversy. We came to this through uh, no nefarious purposes whatsoever. Um, Wes- Wes- Wesleyan was shockingly possessive of this toaster, though. I I thought, of course, we have to send Sham the toaster. It's our fault. That we got it wrong, and he is getting a toaster. Crystal, you made sure of that, right? Yeah, he's getting his toaster, but Wes will still have the one of a kind. Right, thirty-two, 32 team, team toaster, toaster, which we can't find anywhere now. So this really is valuable. And Wes, who has never actually opened this toaster, did not want to give it up. He was, he felt it very strongly. Right. I just like that Greg, Greg is saying that it was our mistake and not mine. Greg, you don't understand the possessiveness here because you don't understand the value of the toaster on a symbolic level. Guys, I have a it's, it's picture like of giving away the Lombardi Trophy. I have a picture yeah. of Wesley kissing the toaster. I might have to tweet that out today. Uh, I think you definitely should. Might be like that thing where Sean Payton slept with the Lombardi Trophy the night after the Super Bowl. Hey, Wes, have a lot of fun, man. I will. Bar. I plan on doing that. Come back on Sunday because we do need you to do NFL-related activities. I will be back. And sorry I'll be again. Back Saturday night to hang out with you guys if you want. All right, that sounds good. And uh, sorry again about the toaster. And congratulations on retaining your title, albeit in controversial manner. <laughs> I appreciate it. You boys have fun. All right. Later. All right. So we should get out of here. We're starting to turn these podcasts into marathons. Uh, we will try to get better with that next week, uh, starting Sunday, where we will listen to that music. Love it. Where we will recap all of all of the games and. Uh, 
you know, we'll do our thing. Uh, this is Dan Hansis signing off for The Sizzler, The Boss, K. Rich Behind the Glass, and Lyle, the ATL intern. Until Sunday. won't pick you up from the airport. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. Not quite full. No Chris Wessling, but welcome, boys. We've also Good to got see you. K-Rich behind the glass in a slightly different room. She is. How you doing, guys? Hey, K-Rich. Doing well. Friday. Seduction <laughs> Friday. Did you guys forget about that? Uh, no, Hell never man. forget about it. Um, and you're the only one that's allowed to say that on this podcast because it's weird when we do. <laughs> but And speaking of Seduction Friday, we're going to have Wes on the phone later. Uh, in the back end of the show, we're going to talk about um, what's going on in his life right now. We're going to talk about uh, Win Wes's toaster, a big development on that front that uh, I have to confront. <laughs> Some uh, would say controversial. Controversial. Sham. If you're listening, pay attention. Uh, but first, we'll, why don't we start with some football and uh, Thursday night football, actually. A game in which uh, there are about 14 people in the stands at Raymond James Stadium. The Panthers have little problem with the sad Bucks, 31-13. Win for the Panthers, moving them over 500 for the first time since 2008. What do you think about this game, fellas? Best three-game stretch of Cam Newton's career, right? Has oh, yeah. to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On top of that, I mean, they've had runs at the in the second half of the season where they played very well. But even in those games, I don't think Cam was quite as good as his numbers showed. And now he's making smart decisions. He's completing tough throws. He's running. They had a good stat today. Uh, our research department. He's the first player in NFL history to have 50 passing touchdowns and 25 rushing touchdowns in any three season span, and he did it in two and a half. I, I give credit to Coach Ron <laughs> Rivera because this is a guy that a month ago looked saddled to uh, a, a coaching staff that was about as uncreative on offense as you could get. And he, as you know, we wrote about, he had this epiphany where, or maybe right. he got basically told, you're going to change or you're going to be gone. <laughs> Who is, knows what happened? This but. is where uh, Wes would have chimed in at this moment and said, Riverboat Ron! <laughs> and it's true. And another example of Rivera seeing the light in terms of uh, coaching aggressively, third quarter, I believe, 14-6, fourth and one. Uh, the Panthers were in field goal range, but as Riverboat Ron said, uh, field goals don't win games. Touchdowns do. They went for it. I think Mike Tolbert got the first down. They go on to score a touchdown. The game is effectively over at that point. Well, and, they're, and they were four for five in the red zone with touchdowns, four touchdowns out of five trips to the red zone. Last night. That's what they weren't doing early on this season. They asked him 
today in the press conference, Ron Rivera on Friday, about his new nickname, Riverboat Ron. I guess this has gotten some <laughs> traction. And he said, well, I don't really like that. I think of it more as calculated risk taker, which was Come not on. really a Riverboat Ron answer. Not as catchy. Ron Own Rivera, it, by the way, looks more like a seventh grade earth science teacher every week. I keep commenting on this, <laughs> just watching him. Doesn't he look like a guy I that could, taught you in middle school? I could see him with a Bunsen burner. <laughs> this Panthers team, we talk about identity maybe too much. That team has to have an identity. But I think this team knows what it is. It's a power football team that has these long, slow drives. They're tied for the league lead in 10-play touchdown drives. They kind of smash you with the running game. They throw it deep, and they have one of the best defenses in the league. They know who they are. You know, I got killed last night on Twitter for, at the end of the game, saying... Bottom line, I look at the Panthers as a playoff team right now, and yeah, everyone responds, but they haven't beaten anyone. But you know what they've done, which is hard to do in the NFL, is they played lesser teams, but they have dropped hammers on these teams. Yeah, I, you know, actually, Greg and I discussed that last night in the newsroom. I think, I think the last three games are against teams that have a four and seventeen combined record, but the Panthers dropped ninety six thirty eight. Uh, difference in scoring total, which tells you they're beating up on bad teams, which is what good teams do. And exactly. What, and what I wrote about yesterday was now they've proved that they could beat bad teams. Now we got to see them beat some teams where people don't p- predict them to win. We're still waiting for that signature Panthers moment. And one more thing, but to go back to Cam Newton, uh, this was the Panthers during the streak, 30-plus points in all three games and no turnovers. That's the first time they've done that in Panthers history, and that goes back to Newton as well. I think we learn a lot about them next week. To me, is maybe the key swing game of their season. They're at home versus Atlanta, and that's a game right now that they should be expected to win and that they should win. And if they win it, they get to 5-3. and three. After that, they have San Francisco and New England back-to-back, so that's going to be tough, and you hope to split that. So this Falcons win, if it's really a new playoff team, like Mark says, that's the win they get taken care of, and then they play the tougher opponents. And one thing, Dan probably... NFL players watching Dan's feed during games don't there want are many. him uh, to be tweeting about them because you went out there and chimed in about Ted Ginn, <laughs> who literally eight seconds later drops a, what would have been a touchdown catch. He also fumbled the ball. It got overturned. But no, Ginn, listen, Ginn, here's another stat. You want to talk stats. Ginn had five catches the first time he's had five catches since December 2009. He's an actual player in that offense, and he, he actually he seems very good with those slant passes. Uh, obviously not too good on deep passes. Uh, Mike Freeman of, I think, CBS Sports, or is it Bleacher Report? Wherever he is, he is a now, Bleacher Report. Um, he tweeted that uh, Ted Ginn couldn't catch MRSA, <laughs> uh, which is funny and kind of mean. Ginn's been a big difference maker this year, and they're running the ball, and they're going to get Jonathan Stewart back. Uh, I think we should touch a little bit on the Bucks quickly. I know we want to move on to the other games. Just that now they're not even being competitive. By the way, Greg, games. you sound great. Yeah, I'm sick right now. You know, I'm great. Plain in pain. My awesome voice normally is. You just sound ruined. like an, you sound like you're the seventh grader in Ron Rivera's classroom right now. <laughs> That's like the the dads that get sick when the babies are at home. This doesn't happen to me because I tend to a garden. Well, you don't spend time with children. No, I don't. Wisely. Anyway, sorry, Greg. Well, Shiano. Got to have a lot of time to spend time with his children Ouch. if he has some. Says, I mean, this is it's getting worse, right? I mean, their defense was supposed to be the trademark of this team. He's a defensive coach. They've got a ton of defensive talent, and they've now given up exactly 31 points in three straight weeks. So they've, the, it's kind of caving in on them. It's looking a lot like when Raheem Morris was ending his run with the Bucks, and the wheels just came off. I 
They go to Seattle next week. Have fun with that. Yeah, that won't be that won't be good. And I don't know. I like the, our NFL Network analysts. Of course, I do. Uh, but there does seem to be, and tell me if I'm wrong. Mike Silver wrote a great piece um, yesterday, a takedown of what's going on in Tampa Bay with players turning on Shiano, seemingly. But it seems like now it's almost become open season and too easy to pile on Shiano. It, it, the pile on feeling during the post game show was prevalent, and I'm just I'm wondering if this is just something that's going to continue to snowball till he's just the biggest laughing stock in the league, unless Shiano already is. I don't think he'll survive another month if, if they're not winning games. Um, I agree. All right, so speaking of Thursday Night Football, we we have in my upcoming uh, end-around column that will be up on Friday, uh, the special guest rant this week is from <laughs> Greg Rosenthal. And the, the topic, Greg, Greg, what was the topic of your rant? Uh, it was on the pregame singer, Priyanka, for Thursday Night Football. Hit it, K-Rich. Oh, wow. I love her. See, ways to life. She's just saying. In the, See, uh, now every uh, Thursday night, yeah, we're at work. I'm there. And I'm getting excited for the game, and then Priyanka comes up on the screen, and I get even more excited. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Wait, here comes the chorus. Pump it. And I'm having a good time. Wesseling's there. And the city. Well, you have Priyanka walking like through some type of um, futuristic landscape. I don't know where she is. It looks like the, different like the soundstage where like Darth Maul fought Obi-Wan Kenobi so, or something. So who wouldn't like that? And I'm excited. But then next to me are our social media guys, Dwayne and Bryce. They run our Twitter accounts the for the city. NFL, and they always tell me, uh-oh, here come all the anti-Priyanka tweets. Everyone's tweeting at the NFL, who is this Who is this <laughs> woman, Priyanka? I'll tell you who she is. Wow. She's got 4.8 million Twitter followers. Somebody That's almost more than the NFL. And everyone always forgets that fact. Exactly. She's, she's a, an Indian film actress and singer who also won the Miss World pageant. We, a, a Bollywood star. We're international. Yeah. And and you can have, you know, your other pregame singers. I'm not going to mention any names. I will. Carrie Underwood, who's been essentially just bought and sold by a gigantic corporate entity to wow. <laughs> treat the population like a pack of drones. I am going to approach <laughs> NBC uh, Dick Embersall. Embersall? Is that what it is? Yeah, you and him. Close. I'm going to approach Dick about redoing Carrie's intro. For Sunday Night Football, I, it's a little stiff. I got to be honest with you. Uh, you know they don't have an, in a great outfit. The song's a little weak. Uh, Priyanka, is that Priyanka. How you pronounce? Priyanka. Priyanka. I don't know if I like this song either. What, it's not even about football. Hold on. <laughs> I talked with Dan about this the other day. Because by the way, before Greg unleashes his two bits on her in some post today, we went <laughs> into depth on Priyanka earlier in the week. And I got a quote from Dan where he said it ha- her song, in quotes, has nothing to do with football mm-hmm. and is better suited for a tourism board. I know you want to come to the city. So you're coming around a little bit, though. I like, I like, that's it. The I like power it better of this than uh, CeeLo last year. I'll put it that way. Well, that's fair. Well, D- Dan likes, you know, vanilla ice cream, <laughs> and he likes 
house salad and cheese pizza. And Mark mm, and I, cheese pizza. and Crystal, we like a little flavor. We like some excitement. I mean, when Priyanka comes on there, it's a little different. You're a fan, Crystal. I agree. I, can tell. I agree. I like pizza as well. And that is not to take away from <laughs> Carrie pizza. Underwood because I, I no. love her intro Listen, too. Listen, I so. don't like Carrie Underwood telling me that I have spent all of Sunday just sitting around my house twiddling my thumbs waiting for this game that starts at like 8.30 Eastern. Yeah, but that was I've written by some like, fat old white guy. And she just said, oh, I'll do whatever you need. I'm sure I'll sing 30 it. years ago. You don't think Priyanka said, let me have a little input in here. Let's write about some lyrics that Look, speak to something more it's important. It's not about the songwriting, frankly. And by the Anyways. way, this song does have something to do with football. You're talking about in my city. They're always going to someone else's city to play a game. It's pretty open-ended. What's it mean? I, I mean, uh, well, the songwriting, let's not go songwriting one for this one. This isn't Bob Dylan, Blood on the right. Tracks. I yeah. mean, it's getting close. The NBC has, it does have <laughs> one of the best lyrics of all time, one of the best little lines. Al and Chris are the best on TV. I mean, we got to have Greg sing you, every podcast. You can't pay, you can't pay for that kind of lyricism. All right. No. I think they did. I think we're all kind of on the same page with that. But I just thought, yeah, I thought it was important that we addressed it. And uh, if you want to read more about it, check out the end around today. Uh, but all right, I don't even know how you get out of that and transition to I'm, games. I'm why, wondering why? when did you get oh. on our team? You you've been debating and, and well arguing about this. This is why Sessler's shaking his head too because he's, he wrote about Priyanka first and he's upset that I'm you have citing. More to say? I'm citing Greg as if you want to read more about it. Read Mark Sessler's game rewind column. Read I, both. Are you happy now? More read both. No, I've been talking one. about Priyanka since last year. When they didn't even have her right before the game, they just had her early in the pregame show, and she was actually walking around your right, city. This it's is a little, little different. Now. Yeah, right. now it's now and it's com- Mark, stretching into complete unbelievability. Mark, my ego. Yes, are you happy that I plugged your? I'm feeling good. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Big games this week. Week eight. Which is crazy that we're already at week eight, but we are. Uh, there are three of us, so we will we will uh, detail our three favorite games of the week. Then we'll roll through the rest of the schedule. Um, Mark, let's start with you. The Washington Redskins and Denver Broncos. Broncos coming off their first loss of the season, and the Redskins coming off a big win uh, over the Bears. So there's a little life there. What are you seeing here? You know, when it comes to Denver, I like I look at the opponents. What is it they can do that might put some sort of a hole into Denver's like defense strategy because they've been obviously unstoppable in terms of stopping Peyton Manning in the offense. Jordan Reed last week for Washington, him and RG3 had something going on. And honestly, RG3, yes, he's been playing a little bit of a better game each week. He finally has someone that I think that really can cause havoc. Reed looked almost unstoppable, and Chicago's defense, not one of the best right now, had no answer for him, and that's what they're going to need. That connection's important for this game, for Washington to even sort of stay afloat. I'm not, I'm not, it's hard to look at any, any Denver game and say, unless you can go out and score 40 points, you don't have a shot. But why can't they score 40 points? I, I think they can, but it's, you know, they did it last week. They, they actually, last week on offense, were a little bit more dynamic than we've seen this season. Well, what they were was 2012. They did the read option the whole time. And Robert Griffin III, his burst is back. If you watch the first play of that game where he took the ball and started running, I mean, he's making people miss again, and he is running by people, and he looks like he's confident in that knee. Their offense looked just like it was last year. Well, there were still some of those passes from him, though, that were real sketchy. 
Uh, he's not all the way back as a complete quarterback. I'm not buying Denver's defense as being any good. No, I yeah, I think that the Redskins are going to score points, probably more than 30. Um, my only, if I'm a Redskins fan, I'm a little bummed out that the way the schedule broke here too, because you know that that was a an emotional win beating the Bears the way they did, and instead of having a chance to really start rolling, now you have a really tough challenge going into Denver to face a Broncos team that it's angry after getting beat. You know, I have to take the Broncos in this game, but I do think it will be not to the levels of the Cowboy-Bronco game, but I think we might have another shootout here. But every game's been tough for Washington. To beat Denver, you need to have two guys on the edge that can beat Denver's tackles quickly, get to Manning. Washington has that. They don't have anything else on defense. They certainly don't have anyone in the secondary that can lock up Denver one-on-one like the Colts did, but maybe the Colts gave people an idea what to do. Let's just hold these receivers and grab them, and if you want to call 10 penalties on us, maybe that's better than any other option. One last note, Von Miller, another week of practice. I didn't think he looked especially... You know, He didn't have his game back last week against the Colts. I want to see what he can do, because Washington's offensive line is a work in progress. And I want to see how that ball comes out of Peyton Manning's hand, because it seemed a little odd last week. Uh, He says he's healthy. He missed a practice with an ankle issue, but he'll be playing, and we'll see what happens. Let's move forward. Um, The Miami Dolphins, once 3-0, now 3-3, are now trying to stay to get back over 500, and they have to beat the New England Patriots, who, uh, as Greg knows, was taken down by the New York Jets in overtime on Sunday. (laughs) So we have a nice AFC East battle. Greg, what are you seeing here? Well, one of these teams is really going to be hurting after this game. Either the Dolphins will have lost four straight games, or the Patriots will have lost three of four games. Now, how many times has that happened in the Belichick-Brady era? I can't. I don't know if it's, it's happened since 2001 or maybe 2002. That's about it. And it's a game I'm not feeling that confident in as a Patriots fan because the Dolphins are going to be in every game. I think the Patriots are still kind of figuring out what it is that they do well. I've watched Miami. I don't think they've played that poorly the last few weeks. But this is one of those games to me that shapes the season. It's like every game is not equal in the season. If the Patriots win this game, maybe the Jets end up losing this week on the road in Cincinnati. It's like they're in control of the AFC East. Everyone's catching up. It would be a surprise if the Patriots don't win. If the Patriots lose, I think it's just everybody's ball game. That's what kind of year it's going to be. It's going to be a three, maybe four-team race, and everyone's got a chance. Well, and if the, if the Patriots lose and the Jets take care of business you got a tie at the top of the AFC East. You do? And it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I think Miami's issues are correctable. Uh, their offensive line and Tannehill holding on to the ball too long was, is problematic. Uh, the Patriots haven't had the greatest pass rush in the world. I think this will be a close game. And, and just for if Wes was here, this would be the part where I make fun of Lamar Miller. But. <laughs> you know, I don't think their problems are correctable in the sense that all they could do right now to shore up their offensive line situation, because Tyson Claybo not a starter anymore at this point, is bring in Brian McKinney, who a year ago when they inserted Brian McKinney into the left tackle spot, that helped Baltimore go on a run to the Super Bowl. This is not the same guy. Dan pointed out right away, very poignant, this guy <laughs> is dangerous in South Beach. I don't like that combination. But you know what? You're right. The Patriots can't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback compared to some other teams. I don't like Miami's long-term situation here because the, Tannehill is getting killed week after week. A lot of it's on him, though. Greg Cosell said that, you know, that he holds on to the ball too long. He's not been great coming off his first read. And for all the fantasy fans out there, there's no player that gets made fun of more than 
uh, Daniel Thomas of the Miami Dolphins. No one understands why they play him. Watch last week's game. He played pretty well. They ran the ball very well. He That was the best I've ever seen him look, and I wouldn't be surprised if they have some effectiveness running. Okay, those are two teams coming off losses. Here are two teams coming off wins. The Jets going to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. This is another game that I think could be very close. And I think, uh, for me, it goes back to, you know, if you believe in Andy Dalton, and he's on a nice run these last few weeks. But something tells me, and this is not because I'm a Jets fan, it's just because what I've seen from Dalton in a big picture and what I've seen from this Jets defense, I got a feeling Dalton's going to have a lot of str- uh, problems on Sunday. Well, however, for the Jets, and I and I think this is a, this is a tough game for Cincinnati to walk in and take control of, but New York also has done this thing where they go out and impress you, play a game like that Falcons game where it's like, this team is legit. They go out the next week and get dropped by the Steelers. Right. Come back last week, beat the Patriots. So can they win, win two in a row? They haven't done that in a long, long time. They haven't done it this season. Win one, lose one every week. Yeah, and you know, and it goes back to Geno Smith at Geno Coaster. There is a very, there is a possibility that the Jets win seventeen fourteen, and it's a close game. It also can turn into thirty one ten if Geno throws a pick six, throws a couple more picks, loses a fumble. You just never know what you're going to get week to week. But you know, as a Jet fan, what you hang on to is each time he has these big boy wins, and the Patriots one certainly qualifies as well. That maybe we get further from the bad Geno. And but you don't know until until we see it. But that's exactly what Cosell said is that some of the mistakes are because of a good trait in Geno, that the guy aggressively throws the ball downfield. He's not afraid to take shots, which, you know, quarterbacks that are, and I think that Dalton maybe falls more in that category. A guy like Geno is going to reduce the mistakes, but he's not going to. He, he he didn't shy away from being a risky player, and I think the Jets are a completely different offense because he's a quarterback and Mark Sanchez isn't. In all the games where Geno's played so well, he's had a ton of time, and that's going to be hard to find against Cincinnati. But the thing to hold on to for Jets fans is tell me the win where the Bengals you know ran away and hide hid this year. It hasn't happened. Every one of their five wins is by one score. All of them came down to the last possession. They're a 5-2 and two team. They are not dominant. They play every game tight, and in a tight game, some crazy things can happen. I think it really is a Dalton thing for perception because if you had a different type of quarterback in there, we would think about Cincinnati in a different way. They've had some impressive victories. But, but, but crazy. You know, against the Packers, so many crazy things happened in that game every you know against Detroit last week it's a great last minute comeback but they're all by three points and they they count as wins but it's not like they're going out there and they're drilling this is quietly the game of the week because whoever wins this is in a great situation I agree I'm a little nervous about it gotta say fellas a little nervous all right so this is a weird week by the way uh because for the first time all season uh we have no hero picks but well, we also spent five minutes talking about Priyanka Chopra, so that that made it weird. Yeah, well, that made it especially weird. But so there are no hero picks. Actually, there was one, right? Kevin Patra, our Chicago correspondent. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, we all kind of had similar picks throughout the week. And in general, no one's going to go crazy about week. And we eight give this Kevin year. an eerie amount of low attention on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ke- Kevin took the Giants. We're split on a few games, like you guys, for instance. We took the Jets, Mark. And you I, guys anyway. both took the Jets. Yeah. I was. I wasn't too surprised because, like we said, I see a lot to like. But I took the Bengals. Uh, but so let's go through the rest of these games. Um, not a ton of winners, but we're just going to keep rolling. That's what we do here. Uh, and we will start with Greg. Uh, sell it to me, Greg. San Francisco, Jacksonville Jaguars. Why are we watching? 
Colin Kaepernick is about as fun a quarterback to watch as possible when he's rolling, and they're starting to use him on the ground a little more. He's making some nice throws down the field to Bolden and Davis. I think that was the most impressive part of his game against Tennessee was he finally started hitting those vertical chunk plays, as Greg Cosell would call them, like he did when he first started, like in the Chicago game last night, when he last year when he broke out. And so that's what I'm looking for, to keep that passing game going. Frank Gore, the inconvenient truth, just does it again, <laughs> com- completely overachieves every single season. He leads the league and runs 20 yards or more. So if you want to talk about big playmakers at running back, by definition, Frank Gore is the guy does, this year. Does he overachieve or is he underappreciated? I always bit of both. Well, he's 30 now, and you kind of expected him to start giving up carries, and it never happened. You know, one thing with San Francisco, yeah, they went back to some runs out of the pistol last week, which we haven't seen a lot of. Their progress on offense over the last four weeks has been impressive. And in a, in a couple weeks from now, they get Manningham back and Crabtree. And then you got that Seattle game coming up a couple weeks after that. I like the, the way that they're sort of peaking in the, at the right time. Yeah, and on the Jaguars side, I'll say, yes, Blaine Gabbard has taken over, or excuse me, Chad Henney has taken over for Blaine Gabbard. Is there a difference? (laughs) Exactly. I'm not going to put too much stock into it. They're going to draft a quarterback in May either way, but uh, good luck with all that, Chad. Can we also get a a ruling? Is it Corey Lemon-Wah or Corey Lemon-Yay? Because I feel like we're going to have to be saying this guy's (laughs) name the rest of the season because he's one of the best young pass rushers in football. He shows up every week. Let's no have Chris still look at him. Yeah, no ruling at this time. Okay, Richie, <laughs> can you get on that? I sure will. I, yeah. I, I know this is crazy, but they haven't missed Alden Smith that much. Maybe it's because of the opponents, but it's also because of, of Corey. We'll just call him by his first name. All right, so <laughs> here's, this, is, um, this, is another, this is a good game. Uh, Dallas Cowboys and Detroit Lions, um, two teams that personally I'm having a little bit of an issue trying to like peg. As, whether they're good or mediocre or what, but uh, we'll get a good we'll get a good idea of uh, both teams here. Reggie Bush today, by the way, Friday held out of practice with some type of leg issue, the upper that, right leg. Yep, that is something to keep an eye on. Um, but listen, the Cowboys, if they can get this win, they are rolling, and if the Lions get the win. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't even know how to break this one down. <laughs> let's be honest. I've got them pegged. I think they're both. Slightly above average teams that can beat anyone on a given week and have two of the best 10 quarterbacks in the league. There, they're done for the rest of the season. You know, this is a game that at the beginning of the year I would have thought would be a real troubling one for the Cowboys because of Detroit's pass rush against what I thought would be a Cowboys line that just wasn't up to par. But they've actually, Dallas's line I think has has played well. Very well. And and that's going to be an interesting matchup to me to see how can they keep Tony Romo safe. Romo in recent seasons, has done really well against the Lions' defense. Why did you guys take uh, the Cowboys? We've been riding the Lions' (laughs) bandwagon all year, and then one rocky game last week, and you guys gave up. No, I actually have gotten a lot of games wrong picking against Detroit, Mm. so I haven't been on that train. And I think that Dallas is is this team that, honestly, I look around the NFC, outside of Seattle and San Francisco, they could beat anyone. Yeah. And yet they could lose to anyone, too. And I, I just, it's a, it's a coin flip. I have some uh, personal demons with the Cowboys because over <laughs> the last couple of years, I've, 
gotten behind them and stuck with them and thinking they would turn things around and they would always let me down. This year I kind of went the opposite direction. I picked them not to make the playoffs and I picked against them a lot this year and it hasn't worked out for me. So I'm going to maybe gently get aboard the Cowboys bandwagon and see, well, see where it takes me. it's not going to work out for you again, I feel like. This is – it's an even matchup, but I feel like Detroit's been a better team overall. I think they can hurt you in, in more ways. I don't think the Dallas defense, just because they played well in Philadelphia, is something that I'm not afraid of. If Bush doesn't play, though, because in week three when they played the Redskins, they were a completely different offense in a bad way when Bush wasn't on the field. I like Bell to some degree as a, as a stand-in, but that would be a big loss. And, and, and Bush was not looking healthy then of last week. And you mentioned lack of respect for Kevin Patrick. How about lack of respect for this game? This might be the best game of the week right here. It didn't get in the top section. A little surprising. Let's admit it. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Mark, I don't, you know, not a ton to say about this game, but since it is your Cleveland Browns, they're going to Kansas City to try to knock off the undefeated Chiefs. Jason Campbell behind center now as the merry-go-round goes round and round in Cleveland. Your thoughts? You know, I look at this game, and, and it, 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 two of the better young defenses, Kansas City made up the NFL's best defense. And, and Cleveland, not unlike Tampa, the wheels could come off if they don't get their act together here because they're not scoring points on the other side. I don't like Jason Campbell going into Arrowhead Stadium, which is probably one of the toughest places to play in football right now. And the Chiefs, you know, they're a tough watch, but they take care of business. I don't like Jason Campbell going into any stadium. I don't like I don't, yeah, Jason Campbell, period. Well, right. no, I'm, I'm not, like I'm not suggesting. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that any of the other 31 stadiums would be a better place for him to play, but this really is a rough first go. It might be easier than being at home, though, frankly. Really? Actually, it, oh man, it it it's funny because he's kind of similar to Brandon Whedon, isn't he? Sure. Well, he's, listen, they, he's got an arm, and he takes forever to make a decision and throw the ball. Didn't they do everything humanly possible to not play Jason Campbell this season? Yeah, they did. I mean, they originally brought him in to compete for the starting job, and it became quickly clear they didn't want him to play at all and then they brought in Hoyer and they basically got buried do you see this as a game that could be weird and be sort of a 14-13 or 17 type 13 game I think the Browns have the defense to keep Alex Smith in check for sure so yeah and it, and Jason Campbell he's not a, he doesn't get you excited but he's also a guy that's known to be very conservative so you probably won't throw the game away so you could be, if you're looking for a win, if you're looking for hope as a Browns fan, I'm thinking 13-10 win is your only shot. I here. think you need a Travis Benjamin 91-yard kick yes. return for a touchdown. You I need like something that. strange like that. How about an Ataya Rubin 7-yard fumble return? <laughs> I like that. Big man with football <laughs> we'll for, see. for a touchdown. Last week, Case Keenum went in there, and the Texans were in that game to the last second. The Chiefs, as good as they've been, generally don't put a team away until the fourth quarter. It's usually close. And if the... Last word on this, if you guys would. Um, if the Browns don't pull upset off, they're staring down a five-game losing streak because after this game, they home to Ravens and at Bengals. And, you know, it's it, real tough. It could be a tough situation. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, New Orleans Saints. Uh, Spiller, it looks like they're finally going to sit C.J. Spiller, whose ankle is still not right. Uh, we're not sure on that, but that's there's been speculation that Marone is going to try to get Spiller healthy. You know, the Saints are the favorite in this game. Do Is there any way the Bills pull an upset off, Greg? It's going to be very tough, but they're a defense that can give the Saints offense problems. And I don't think the Saints offense has been quite as explosive 
as they have been in previous years. And I think this Bills defense comes to play each week. And so they've got a chance to slow them down. I think they're going to have to run the ball well against New Orleans, and I think they'll be able to. You know, C.J. Spiller's doubtful officially for the game, so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even make the trip. I think Fred Jackson has shown he can take over. Year after year, is there a more underrated player than Fred Jackson in the NFL? Well, and I kind of like this backfield when it isn't two or three guys splitting carries. It might be... I'm not sure it changes that much because Spiller's had his issues this season. I'm interested to see Thad Lewis because you know what? For a guy that was on the practice squad a month ago, he's actually played very well. I don't even think I'm done giving Fred Jackson some love. I'm oh, serious. you keep going. When, when there was a fantasy, <laughs> when I was you know at Roto World and we did fantasy, it's very hard for a player to be undervalued year after year because usually people just kind of wise up to it. And every year you thought, well, this is the year Fred Jackson's not going to do it, something. They always have these high-priced you know, running backs with him, Willis McGahee, now it's C.J. Spiller, whoever, that you, Marshawn Lynch was there, who you expect to be better than Fred Jackson. And in the end, he never is. And then he's coming off a devastating injury. He's out of co-college. Line up the careers. Fred Jackson versus Reggie Bush. Similar players. Who has had the better career? If he wasn't stuck in Buffalo, this guy would be a star. Let I me, love me some Fred Jackson. So let's say there, you're, there's a car. <laughs> there he is. He's there's out a, of the chair. There's a station wagon in Buffalo. And you have the option to drive from Buffalo to Los Angeles with Fred Jackson or Priyanka. What well, road trip do you pick? I think we know. Well, he okay. just got—he didn't get out of the chair for Priyanka. I don't know. You, I oh, mean, no, you, I'm, take, I'm taking Priyanka for the car trip. I'm taking Fred Jackson to win a Super Bowl. There's different questions. And by the way, uh, the one thing I, I have to say about this, um, and I say this a lot because I don't consider myself one, beware of experts because uh, back in August, anybody you read that's was viewed as a respectable football guy was saying Fred Jackson was shot and he wasn't moving and he was going to be phased out of that offense and he lives. He's 20, like Jason Voorhees. 25 catches already <laughs> this year for Fred Jackson, four and a half yards. Per, I just, he's a fun player. All right, let's move on. Mark, NFC East showdown. I know you love the NFC East, Mark. The Giants finally got a win. They are going into Philadelphia now to play the Eagles and Michael Vick should be back in the lineup. Uh, what are you seeing here? You know, I think this is this is a bad turn of events for the Giants because Vic's last game was against New York. He went out just before halftime and had 79 yards rushing on the ground. They did all they could to shut down LaShawn McCoy and did actually a, a good job of that because they ignored any sort of option play. They just went right at McCoy. But Vic went wild before getting hurt. And, you know, I think that this offense is a little bit more dynamic in terms of what it can do with Vic, obviously. Foles two weeks ago looked really good. Last week, it was a disaster. I'm kind of glad we're not staring at some quarterback controversy there. Ride it out with Vic for now. The guy probably won't be back next season. In terms of this game, how do you pick the Giants? They, they beat a very bad Vikings team in what it might have been the most boring game we've seen in ages. Wait, weren't you riding the Nick Foles bandwagon seven days ago? I think that was me. Was it you? I know. Right? Foles looked very good against the Bucks, right? But it, but what we saw against the Cowboys, I think it squelched any sort of yeah. hey, who should start here? He was he, pretty awful. He was not ready. Giants defense showed some signs. They're stopping the run. Lately, they can stop the run. And Jason Pierre-Paul is coming off his best game of the season by far. But there's not much reason to believe that this isn't one of the worst teams in football. And that wasn't that Monday night win over the Vikings wasn't a cure-all, and it wasn't a game where it's like, ah, that's the giant team that we thought was going to show up. They, they didn't play a great game. It's just the Vikings were completely flat. 
That actually felt like you were watching a preseason game. It was a very oh, yeah. odd Monday night well, and game. I feel like this is a comment from six and a half years ago, but without Brandon Jacobs, I, I don't like New York's ability to run the ball either. <laughs> wow. yeah, well, he it, actually played really well two weeks ago. I thought ago. Peyton Hillis rumble it into the end zone at the Metal. It's sad that, that Peyton sad. Hillis was probably New York's best player on offense last week. And he still had less than three yards Did per anybody, carry. Anybody pick the Giants? Kevin uh, Patrick Kevin had Patrick. his hero pick with the Giants. I, I picked the Eagles to win this division before the season started, and I feel like they are hanging by a thread. They're getting propped up by beating some bad teams, and they're really they're struggling to find themselves and not playing well. This is a game they have to get to get to 4-4. Four and four. Yes. All right, moving forward, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are halfway out of the 0-4 hole they dug. They have back-to-back wins, including a big one over the Ravens on Sunday. They now travel to the Black Hole to face the Raiders. You know, this is, this is another interesting game. Uh, I, I really the Steelers. I think they're gonna get back into this race. I think when they play the Ravens again in a few weeks, it's gonna mean something. Uh, but they basically they're gonna kind of need this win. Uh, the Raiders have been tougher than people imagine, especially at home. Uh, what are you guys seeing on this? Listen, we've got Wes Chris Wessling on schedule to eat his softball pants. Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? If yes. the Raiders win six games. Yes. They, this is a winnable game for them. They would be 3 and 4 after 7 outings. That has to put Wesling on some hot turf. He already said he was nervous after the Chargers win for the Raiders. So this would put him in very dangerous ground. I do think the Steelers will win this game though. They have 3 winnable games coming up. Oakland does. None of us is buying their resurgence defensively. None of us picked them. We see Pittsburgh getting back into the mix. It's amazing that they've only had one game this year. They forced the turnover. If they weren't negative 10, they're negative 10 in turnover margin. If they weren't negative 10, they'd be a pretty good team. Ben Roethlisberger was on the Rich Eisen podcast this week. Uh, we encourage you to tune in and check that out. But he, he said that uh, the inability to force turnovers and the propensity to have turners, turnovers <laughs> on offense was like they were shooting themselves in both feet, which I thought was kind of a uh, smart way to put it. Uh, yeah, so that's really, when you put those two things together, it, make, it makes sense why they were 0-4. But I, I agree. I think that they're going to win this game. But it, it will be close. It should be close, right? And Pittsburgh finally can run the ball with Le'Veon Bell. You know, he, that's big. he looked really good, actually, last week. And a funny thing from Big Ben, he, he goes on radio. He's got a weekly radio show. And says that because they've been running some wildcat, uh, and they sh- they aren't being critiqued like the Jets, so that's not fair. Right. But they're having Big Ben shoot out to play wide receiver on these plays, and he's already complained saying that he's too tired to do that. <laughs> too tired to split out and play wide receiver twice a game. That, <laughs> now come well, on, I'm, that doesn't surprise me. One thing we we mentioned that last Big Ben's Sunday, so lovable. <laughs> we mentioned last Sunday watching it. I remember when Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he was never a speed demon, but when he would get in the open field, he, he would run pretty well. He has lost a lot of speed. A lot of RPMs off that. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. The Atlanta Falcons are uh, heading to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Uh, you know, the Falcons have reached a point similar to the Steelers where they're kind of in must-win territory in October, which is never a great place to be. The Cardinals, you know, I'm starting to think that we could be staring at another 6-10 and 10 team over in the, in the desert there. Mark, what are you seeing here? I don't like any game where the Cardinals have to face any sort of a pass rush, but this might be a team like in Atlanta that really can't do that. And so maybe Carson Palmer isn't just a sitting duck back there. But I watched the Falcons last week. It's the game that we covered on Sunday. 
And everyone says Matt Ryan, not everyone, but the, the critique on Matt Ryan is, listen, if he didn't have so much talent around him, he'd be a very average quarterback. I'd say nonsense to that because you know what? You don't have Steven Jackson. Poppycock, you, you say. Don't, I say poppycock to that, yes. Dan. You don't have Roddy White. You don't have Julio Jones. And he turned star. He made you know Harry Douglas into a star last week, and I thought that they did a real nice job moving the ball, converting, Great, converting third downs. The table. I, I like, think we're on the same point here. Sessler, point of the day. It's over. Sessler won it. Great job by Seth. This pump, very nice visual for the podcast. Is there a harder game to predict, though? I did think about this more than any other game this week. I ended up going with the Falcons just because every week I watch Matt Ryan and think he's playing great, and it's hard to pick against him going against Carson Palmer. But you're right. This is a matchup of weakness on weakness. The Falcons' defense is one of the worst five groups in the league, I would say, uh, and going up against Carson Palmer. I don't expect this to be a blowout. They do get Steven Jackson back. No Roddy White, no uh, Julio Jones, of course, but they do get Steven Jackson back. I wish Larry Fitzgerald was healthy this year. I, I was really excited that we were going to be the revitalized season, but now he's got this hamstring. He's not playing at full speed, and that, that obviously makes a big difference. One guy that, you know, we all talked him up. I think he was a making the leap candidate. Michael Floyd's been a little quiet this year. They could use uh, you think? They could use a little more from him. Started off well. It's hard to know. It's hard to evaluate those wide receivers when Carson Palmer's throwing the ball and they have no time to throw. Right. All right, let's move forward. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, who are in first place in the NFC North. Congratulations, boys. Uh, they will face the woeful Minnesota Vikings um, who are now start back to Christian Ponder after Josh Freeman suffered that mysterious concussion. I don't. This doesn't seem like it's going to be a close game. Is it correct? Well, it's weird that Freeman practiced. Not sorry to dodge your question, but uh, I don't. Okay. Thi- I don't yeah, think I found that strange. I don't think it will be a close game to answer your question. I think the Packers defense is peaking. I think Christian Ponder gives the Vikings a much better chance than Josh Freeman would at this stage. So that's a positive for them. And the Packers. That's also a dramatic negative. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a good sign. And the Packers have had trouble winning in Minnesota in recent years. A lot of trouble winning in Minnesota. So, you know, who knows? They haven't been able to stop Adrian Peterson. But the Freeman situation is more interesting to me. It's weird that he returned to practice, but he won't be active for the game. We have Ross Tucker writing a column that players in that Vikings locker room will probably, fair or not, wonder what happened with this Freeman concussion, whether you know he made the choice to do it, whether he uh, basically asked that. Are we in this situation again? We're speculating what's going on with Josh Freeman behind the scenes. Uh, you're not, Dan, you're not I'm just, enticed I'm just, by that storyline? I'm just bored of it, but it, uh, it's worthy of discussion. I'm not sure where this goes, though. I don't know if we're going to see Freeman be the starter this year for Minnesota or not. I don't really know. I mean, it could, it might end up just being Ponder again for a while. Well, and it's almost like you could see Freeman at some point just getting released. I mean, it's like the, the thing could spiral into a dark place. You know, we just talked about Matt Ryan, who is able to take anyone, it looks like, last week and, and turn them into productive players. That's what I see from no one better than Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, against Cleveland, a pretty good defense last week with a ton of guys out, he just carved them up. He, he had his way with them, and it's, it's, uh, there's no quarterback that does it anywhere to the same level. It's, it's too early to flex games out on Sunday night, apparently, because uh, yeah, it is. Al and Chris are, are stuck with this game. There, there's some much better ones, but it is what it is. I think I think the Packers have to be thrilled that they could get to five and two after you know considering the injuries they've had. They're, who knows if they'll get Jim Michael Finley back, but they will get Randall Cobb eventually. 
They're rowdy into form. So is Carrie Underwood going to try to tell us that we're excited about this game? It's going to be a tough sell for Carrie. Um, she's constantly off. You know, she's just. Uh, I don't, I'm not just buying it. Get you off know, the case. All right. By the way, I'm just. I'm just curious, real quick, because we're running a little low on time. Vikings' final record this season. I'm just curious what you guys think. Three and thirteen. Uh, three and thirteen sounds about right. I will go four and twelve. Though. Another quarterback. Okay, and that moves us to the last game. Of the week, Seattle Seahawks, uh, who you know may or may not have Percy Harvin, uh, travel to St. Louis to face Kellen Clemens and the Rams. Man, uh, speaking of uh, primetime announcers, you have John Gruden and Mike Tirico. They can't be thrilled about this one. No, because it's, it's also opposite the World Series in St. Louis that night. Right. <laughs> Which right. is pretty brutal. Greg, you took that, the loss by the Sox last night pretty well, I thought. That's uh, only game two here. You know, Kellen Clemens, I'm excited <laughs> about him. Well, you know Trying what? Like, it. when you look at Seattle, I think that watching Russell Wilson, because we got a Seattle-Arizona game two Thursdays ago, which that wasn't necessarily the sexiest matchup of the year. But they're fun to watch. And Russell Wilson, like, they're starting to do more and more with him on offense. It looks a little bit like last year to me, where they're getting their kind of act together in terms of scheme. We're not too far away from Percy Harvin coming back. This team is tough to beat. And, well, I like that. And they just learn how valuable Sam Bradford is because <laughs> as much as they dogged him, now it's like the season is over because Kellen Clemens is your quarterback. But you do you did find a little something in Zach Stacy, and I love watching this guy. He actually reminds me a little bit of a young Frank Gore because he's a three-down back. He's powerful, but he's really good on passing downs, very comfortable catching the ball. He he looks like a starting running back. If you didn't know he was a late round pick, he he reminds me a lot of a little. But he reminds Frank me Gore. of Frank Gore when the Niners didn't know how to run an offense, and he was the one thing sitting there. And right. until that team learns how to get someone in there that can make the most of not only the quarterback but the other positions, the Rams are going to be this three and four, three and five team year after year. And if you want to, if you want to see a Zach Stacy showcase Monday night, probably won't be it at least as a. Rusher because, you know, the Rams will be twenty down 21-3 at the end of the first quarter. Just Fair wa- point. just watch them. Tell me <laughs> you disagree. All right. Uh, that's it for the games. K. Rich, what's going on behind the glass? Everything's good. Looking forward to my Giants-Philly matchup. All right. Good luck with that. Hey, um, Chris Wessling, is it possible to get him on the horn? Because he's got to take care of some housekeeping here. Hey, Wes. Hey, K. Rich, how are you? I'm good. What's going on? Yo, Yo Wes. What's I going on, game? buddy? Welcome to uh, welcome to your podcast. <laughs> my podcast, thank yes. you. What's going on over there? Uh, just about ready to get on the road and go to Santa Barbara. With who? With uh, my friend Aaron. Oh, okay. That sounds good. That sounds like a nice weekend you got planned. You know, it is. It's Seduction well, Friday. It is well, Seduction Friday, and I oh. feel like the five of you. Yeah. I include K. Rich and, of course, Lyle, the intern, have taken me under your wing and shown me the ways. I was stuck in Seduction Saturday, and that wasn't working for me. Now I'm a new man. <laughs> well, when you head up to Santa Barbara on Seduction Friday, there really are no limits. We should mention that Aaron is a woman. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not important, though. We're it's not... not. Be progressive, Mark. Doesn't... I met her last night. She's lovely. Well, you look. Chris has to relieve some stress because it's been a controversial week. Listen, you know, good transition, Greg. Listen, Wes, we got to talk about this. Win Wes's toaster. Um, you know, I declared Sham from Sacramento the winner uh, based on that last question on Wednesday in which uh, uh, you said Reggie Wayne had the second longest active streak 
games played. I said you were wrong, but you were right. It was Reggie Wayne, and uh, first I just want to offer a humble apology to you. No apology necessary. All right. Good. I think it's totally necessary. He, <laughs> total, he botched it. Greg yep. is irate, and we'll get to why. Yeah. And uh, number two, uh, this is something we need to address. So the, the decision has been made. The committee, the Win West's Toaster Committee has met. They've come to a conclusion that you will remain the champion. And this is, again, apologies to Sham and Sacramento. Sham will get his toaster, but Wes will, Wes, Sham will get a toaster of his choice, but Wes will keep his toaster. And this is the... <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm not sure Sham's clapping. But... And, but this is this is the one caveat, and I will run it by Wes. It will be up to his people to decide when it comes time to defend your toaster again. Sham gets the first crack. Thoughts? Oh, that's that sounds good to me. And for the record, I don't have people. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, Wes is a, a lone wolf. Nobody is more upset about this development, and I, which I think you know, as a podcast we've handled well, than Greg, <laughs> who has nothing but utter disdain for the franchise of Win Wes's toaster. Right. But you know what? It's back. It's bigger than it was well, before, and it it's just, not going away. It all just seems a little suspicious. Remember, have you, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Quiz Show. You know, a lot of rigging yeah. in the game shows back in the 50s and 60s. Finally, it was like Wes had lost, and now we come back, and there's a Well, mistake. the world is it's, not pure, Greg. I'm well, sorry to report. You know, the headline here would be Area Man Fallible, and that's me. I messed up. <laughs> Everyone, you know, I owned up to my mistake. The game, a lot of, the, there's a lot of buzz about the game. Nationally, Greg, you got to admit. <laughs> well, unlike Damashek, <laughs> who believes that you have to gerrymander things around to uh, get manufactured drama and controversy, oh, we're going back <laughs> down our, this road. Our oh, quiz boy. show actually has a natural controversy. We came to this through uh, no nefarious purposes whatsoever. Um, Wes- Wes- Wesleyan was shockingly possessive of this toaster, though. I I thought, of course, we have to send <laughs> Sham the toaster. It's our fault. That we got it wrong, and he is getting a toaster. Crystal, you made sure of that, right? Yeah, he's getting his toaster, but Wes will still have the one of a kind. Right, thirty-two, 32 team, team toaster, toaster, which we can't find anywhere now. So this really is valuable. And Wes, who has never actually opened this toaster, did not want to give it up. He was, he felt it very strongly. Right. I just like that Greg, Greg is saying that it was our mistake and not mine. Greg, you don't understand the possessiveness here because you don't understand the value of the toaster on a symbolic level. Guys, I have it's, a picture of... It's like of, giving away the Lombardi trophy. I have a picture yeah. of Wesling kissing the toaster. I might have to tweet that out today. Uh, I think you definitely should. Might be like that thing where Sean Payton slept with the Lombardi trophy the night after the Super Bowl. Hey, Wes, have a lot of fun, man. Up I will. And I plan on doing that. Come back on Sunday because we do need you to do NFL-related activities. I will be back. And sorry I'll be again. Back Saturday night to hang out with you guys if you want. All right, that sounds good. And uh, sorry again about the toaster. And congratulations on retaining your title, albeit in controversial manner. I appreciate it. You boys have fun. All right. Later. All right. So we should get out of here. We're starting to turn these podcasts into marathons. Uh, we will try to get better with that next week, uh, starting Sunday, where we will listen to that music. Love it. Where we will recap all of all of the games and. Uh, you know, we'll do our thing. Uh, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the Sizzler, the boss, K. Rich behind the glass, and Lyle, the ATL intern. Until Sunday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.